The following program is brought to you by Podcast One. Recorded live backstage, this is Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Now here's your host, Rory O'Malley. Hey there, welcome to the Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. I'm your host, Rory O'Malley. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. This week we have a really incredible guest. His name's Jeff Greenberg. He is the current casting director for a little TV show called Modern Family in its 11th and final season. He's also casted TV shows like Cheers, Frasier, Wings, one of my personal favorites. Um, He has such an amazing, amazing resume. And luckily, he is a part of the Geffen Playhouse family currently because he cast the show that will be there this November 6th through December, um, Key Largo, starring Andy Garcia. So... He's been hanging out at the Geffen and putting together a great show that you'll have to go and see. Here's my conversation with the incredible Jeff Greenberg. Hi, Jeff Greenberg. Hey, Rory O'Malley. Welcome to the Geffen Playhouse Unscripted, where we throw out our scripts and just oh, I didn't even bring one. You didn't in. even bring one. Nope. Whoa, nope. you are so daring. Thank you. Um, I am so excited to get to talk with you on this podcast because we've known each other for a very long time. We have. And you talked to me on my former podcast on Living the Dream that I was doing on my own with just a, a microphone and a tube a, of chapstick. And, and a dream. <laughs> and a dream. And here we are. Yeah. I, 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 I was looking up at that interview, looking it up, and it was over two years ago now. And um, I showed up to the lot while you were working on Modern Family, as you are now. Right. Uh, but it was kind of nice because I'm glad we're going to get to have this conversation in this different context of what you're doing right now. Absolutely. Oh, and what is that? Why, why are you here at the Gavin Playhouse well, I'm here because I'm a proud participant in their upcoming production of Key Largo. Yes. I got to cast this wonderful play, and I rarely get to do plays. But when I do, it's an event for me. Right. And it's uh, I've had the greatest experience and a unique experience because it's so different what I usually do in casting television. Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of mind blowing to me that you found the time to <laughs> cast a play. You are the casting director for a little show called Modern Family, which is in its eleventh and final season, sadly. But that is such a huge undertaking. How? <laughs> How were you able to do anything else over those 11 years, let alone to play? The, all the plays I've cast, and this is my first at the Geffen. I've cast five at the Pasadena Playhouse right. and some other things over the years. I usually have the luxury of a great deal amount of more time yeah. than we get in television, where the deadline is just next Yesterday, week. Yeah. 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 And I've been working on Key Largo for months because – and I've never done this before, and it's uh, – very much more of a New York process, but I had to cast a reading, then a month later, a workshop, oh. and then a couple months later, the on, uh, main stage production. Oh, that's I amazing. Had to cast I didn't realize that. Yes, yes. So uh, we took our time with it, and at each juncture, we made some changes. Uh, there's eight characters in the play, mm-hmm. and from the first reading, which I cast, only two people, one of them being Andy Garcia, went on to... The workshop. Okay. So I had to cast 
six new people there. From the workshop to the main stage production, I replaced four people. Okay. And we ended up with a perfect cast. And it was just more process involved and many months. So because I had that luxury of time, I was able to do it. I see. But, you know, casting director is all about multitasking. And I've, I've had as many as four series at once that I was casting. And you right. just learn to do a lot of things at once. Yeah. And because you have that Rolodex in your head of all the different actors, and that's basically what you've been doing for years is putting together actors in your head who you know can do specific things. You just have to click through and <laughs> Right. What's fun, what's fun about Key Largo is it's very much a drama. My wheelhouse seems to be right. comedy usually. Yeah. So I got to tap a lot of wonderful other actors that I don't, often get to hire. Yeah. Now, there are a couple of actors in Key Largo that I have hired for comedies, but most of them are more dramatic actors. Right. Who, who else is in the cast? We have uh, Andy Garcia. Andy is, Garcia. Is leading out. And Jolie Fisher. Jolie Fisher. That's uh, nice. Rose McIver from okay. iZombie World. Nice. Uh, Louis Mastillo. Nice. Stephen Bonello. And this is... I didn't realize that this was a new show that was being, quote-unquote, workshopped here at the Geffen. So what does that mean when it's a workshop? How much – some people – I mean, I know what it, when we do a musical and you workshop it, you put it up on its feet, you do the choreography, but there's minimal costumes. What does that mean when – This workshop, they just really sat around the table. They never staged it. They really? just did table work all week for a week. Oh, okay. So you rehearse it. They rehearsed the it. Yeah. They rehearsed the words and explored the play. Sure. And then at the end of the week – all of the staff and the bigwigs from the Geffen came over to listen to it. Right. Um, Does that do those changes in the script when you're workshopping something? Does that inform the casting? Like all of a sudden, the story changes a little bit, and this person doesn't seem to be right anymore. Absolutely, that actually happened with uh, because they kept developing the script. Right. Th- this was a play. Uh, by Maxwell Anderson first. Then it was turned into a movie, which was very famous, right. with Bogart and Bacall and Edward G. Robinson. Mm-hmm. It was, and Claire Trevor won an Oscar for playing her part. Jolie Fisher's playing that role. Wow. Andy Garcia's playing the uh, Edward G. Robinson role. Okay. Danny Pino is the uh, Bogart part. Oh, okay. And Rose McIver is Bacall. Anyway, um, this new version, which is co-written by Andy Garcia and Jeffrey Hatcher, is an amalgamation of the original play and the screenplay mm. and some new stuff. So the the movie version was way more successful as just a, a, a play than the original one. So that's what it mostly draws from. But they did a lot of rewrites as they were workshopping it and all right. that. So they, they've just kept refining it. Well, I know that everyone at the Geffen is very excited that they had you on board to find this cast because you have found some really incredible casts in your career. Thank <laughs> you, you have brought together <laughs> some really, really great actors. Um, first and foremost, obviously, the one you're currently working with, the Modern Family cast. But people might not realize that you also were a part of casting of of Cheers with uh, Kirstie Alley, because right. uh, you came in halfway through, right? I know some of these details yes. from our last conversation. That's right. Um, you found Kirstie Alley. And... Well, I found her for comedies. Right. She was, she was having a very fine dramatic career, but right. I 
sort of fell on my sword for her in terms of the comedy, and it worked out great. And the cast of Wings, the cast of Frasier you yes. brought together, which is, I, I mean, any one of those things would have been like a career, you know, like what you could say to anyone that you are absolutely the top of your game as a casting director. But the fact that now you have Modern Family in season 11, it's such a huge success. What does it feel like to be at this place, to have all of those actors who you've given work to and who you found? What does it feel like at this moment? There's a great deal of pride involved. I love sort of tracking people's careers who I gave early jobs to. Yeah. And, you know, people, that happens all the time where uh, in someone's name comes up and I get to say, I gave them, I gave Kristen Wiig her first job as shopper number two on I'm With Her, a show no one remembers. And that kind of stuff happens all the time. It's fun. And I'm very proud of the shows I've done, um, that they've had a real social impact because a lot of the the hit shows, and believe me, I've done (laughs) 50, 60 pilots and short-lived series that weren't worth, you know, running at all. And most of them aren't terrific. Mm -hmm. But, uh, and some of them, should have had a run, and some of them are near misses, and there's a lot of reasons. Some of them were programmed wrong. They're a really great show, but they were in the wrong time slot, and they died for whatever reason. But I, I'm very proud of of my resume, as it were. You should be, and I think that it's it's such a you know it's funny that you say that you are in the comedy world because I, yes, of course you're doing sitcom, but so many of your characters that you've uh, cast are so rich and so full of life and so important to me and to and to my livelihood right. i grew up watching cheers those characters those like middle class blue collar folks in that bar were the people who were <clears throat> populating my life and I, they meant so, so much to me. And so when they were laughing or crying or whatever they were going through, that was kind of something I was seeing a mirror image of, of, of our life. And because I was in a bar a lot as a child, <laughs> <laughs> Irish Catholic, you know. But, but um, I think that especially now with Modern Family, um, I had the, the honor of this season of, of getting to be on an, an episode um, at and long last. Yes, at long last. It was su- it was such an honor, and I don't. I'm not. I'm not saying that just because you're that I'm talking to you. I truly mean it, because for me, the the Cam and Mitch characters, the the the, the gay men, the couple who's married on the show, and their daughter Lily, they from the get go by just being who they are as those characters and being played so fantastically by Eric Stone Street and Jesse Tyler Ferguson, have changed the world. And they've certainly changed mine. And now that I have a child with my husband, I know that people in my hometown of Cleveland and Ohio and and anywhere I go are more acclimated to seeing two men with a child because of Modern Family. And it's not preaching. It's not like it's just being. It's an example of, of its representation. Right. Rory, you have no idea. One of the reasons maybe when people say, what's your favorite job? I will say Modern Family, not just because I'm doing it, but it had, when the show hit the ground running, it was an enormous hit. 
And we started to get a huge amount of correspondence from all sorts of people saying that how helpful this was in their lives. And a lot of letters were from kids saying, I didn't know how to even broach the subject of me coming out. But because everyone in my family was enjoying the show, it just cracked the door that I could even bring up the conversation. Right. And it did that with – we got letters from people about adoption. Yeah. Those subjects. You know, parents talking to their kids about their about mixed marriages, about sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just became sort of socially relevant, especially in the moment. And it was just different and just brought so much richness back to us on the show. It was just – it's been so gratifying. It's mattered to a lot of people for a lot of reasons. I mean – in the way that we look to back at All in the Family as having such a, a big social uh, effect on, mm-hmm. on our country, I think that we will certainly look at Modern Family in that way. Gay people weren't allowed to get married when you started the show. That's right. I mean, That's right. you know, 11 years later, here you all are having not changed the world by screaming from the rooftops, but by making people laugh. That's right. And what a what a wonderful tool la- right. laughter and real comedy can yeah, be. I'm going to miss the experience, the day to day of it. Just it's a it's a rarefied atmosphere to be around all yeah. the time. I have to say that was it was something very sacred about getting to to work with all of you for a couple of days because it felt like I was a part of a, a family. It was certainly a well oiled machine, but you, there was a there was such a great care. And an ease. I've never gone through a scene so quickly <laughs> in my life. And I really felt not a pressure, but a need. I was like, I've got to be at the top of my game from the moment I walk on that set because it deserves it. It deserves, right. you know, and I think that everyone kind of felt that way, but everyone was so nice. Um, I remember the, uh, the, um, uh, the AD who, who welcomed me to set said, welcome to the family. And I was oh. like, oh, thank you, Leslie. She was very, very yeah. lovely. Um, so it, it's, it's a, a really special thing. And I think you know, because you've been in the business, you know all the different kinds of, of, of you know, settings and, and work environments you can have. This one's pretty, right. pretty damn special. And the, the long-run aspect of the show – I'll miss it so much because it's so much more fun to work on a show that works with people that you like. Yeah. I, it's just the best job yeah. for, in terms of me. I worked on another show for about four years that was – it was a toxic atmosphere mm. and it was a very successful show and – uh, I'll get more details after. Oh, I can, I, I, I'll <laughs> say it out loud. I don't, you know, at this point, it was called According to Jim. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it did really well, mm-hmm. but it was not fun. Mm. It was not satisfying. It was yeah. not. It was, How do you get through that? Like, it's easy when you're showing up to work and you, when you have a job and it's hard and you want to be grateful for the work and the opportunity right. but it's, for years you know it's just you just identify it for what it is it it's just a job yeah you know and then something that really resonates with you it's more than a job it's you yeah. know it's it 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 feeds you too it it just gives you something more than just what you're putting out you you have to kind of be grateful for those jobs that are hard to show up to totally because grateful. they they give you more gratitude for the ones that they you do. love and i've 
admittedly been so spoiled to have been on, you know, the, the few you mentioned that were the big hits that ran a long time. That's luck of the draw. Yeah. And, you know, and there's, I just, uh, the combination of, I guess, being, having the skills to do that job, but you still have to land on a show that is a hit. Yeah. And they're fewer and fewer all the time. So when this season is over and everybody is already, you know, has a tear in their eye every day. Yeah. Uh, it's, I think we're all going to miss it a great deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's special. And it's clear that everyone on that set was aware of that and and appreciates that. Right, we're savoring it. Every, yeah. You know, every table reading, every... Every you know when we, there we're actually just filmed the Thanksgiving episode mm-hmm. and the episode was called the last Thanksgiving mm. and we did the last Halloween and, right you know and we're everything is the last yeah those it's it's um it's a it's um called a modern family it's a, it's a real family you can definitely tell that by being on that set but it's as you know with being a part of great things it will be wonderful to see what all of those people go on to do from there and that show is going to live on forever in syndication and uh it's one of those shows that when you have it on in the background or if you're watching it you will just feel better it makes you oh. feel at home yeah um so i was i was very excited to get to be a part of an episode. Uh, so oh, I'm thanks. so glad it worked out. It was just the stars aligned, right? Yeah, they sure did. They you sure know, did. Just, it's perfect. Let's go back to how you became a casting director because I think this is very interesting. You started out as an actor. I did. I did. I graduated from college and was an actor for about 10 years in Los Angeles and really struggled. I never had a great agent. I had a million job jobs to you know make ends meet. Right. And the jobs I got, I loved, but they were... Dinner theater, summer stock, you know, a, a day on a commercial here, a day with a few lines on a TV show. Yeah. I still loved it. I loved being an acting class. But when that started in my early 20s and I was living on a shoestring, I was, you know, that's what it's going to be. Well, when my early 30s rolled around and that shoestring was still yeah. what I was, you know, living on, uh, it wasn't as much fun. And I had an opportunity. A friend of mine was a casting director and she needed... I'd filled in for her a couple of times just for a fun thing. She just got a movie uh, called Angel, Honor Student by Day, Hollywood Hooker mm. by Night. You got to see this. The, the, <laughs> please do, <laughs> if you can find it. It was the first film for New World, and her usual assistant wasn't available, and she asked me if I wanted to do that. I, uh, I had been working at the time at Jane Fonda's Workout. Because you know Jane used to have this empire. working out. Yes. Oh, I'm well aware of it. What were you? What would you do? I would sit in a room with no windows with Bill Paxton, rest his soul. You're kidding me. Oh yeah, and yeah, he passed a few years. Oh ago. yes. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, well, no. We yes. were in a room, and you know Jane had a lot of merchandising. She had a lot of albums and tapes and records and leggings and leotards and baby books, and we just typed labels all day and put postage and Uh package them and sent them out for minimum wage for i did that for a couple of years and you know it was a big board i remember when they finally i asked for a raise and they gave me 25 cents more an hour so it was very (laughs) exciting but anyway so this opportunity came up to to be a casting assistant with linda and i said goodbye jane yeah and uh on the first day working with linda i not only Loved it. I got it. Yeah. For some reason, Rory, I just, my life changed. 
and everything became crystal clear. And everything, everything I learned as an actor seemed to apply to the casting world. How to work on material, how to identify things in the text, how to talk to directors, how to talk to actors. Yeah. And I've always had a photographic memory for actors. And when I, you know, growing up, I used to watch the end credits of every TV show and just could remember every name. Yeah. Without trying. Right. So that all, and I just loved doing it. And I made the transition very easily. I wasn't even looking to make, I thought it was going to be like a, another one of my job jobs. Right. But I loved it. And I stayed working with Linda for about three years. We worked on nine movies, I think. And then I got my big break. And I don't think everyone gets a big break. Yeah. I did. Because somehow I, they needed a new casting director on Cheers. And they wanted someone who came from features and theater. And I'd worked uh, over the years several times at the Mark Taper Forum in the casting office, too. Mm-hmm. And... For some reason, I got that job. I didn't even have a casting resume, but I got that job. And that was Shelley Long's last season. Right. It was the fifth season of Cheers. And an early thing I had to do, because Shelley gave her notice, was start thinking about who should replace her. Wow. And it ended up, it took six months, but it ended up being Kirsty. And when that happened, the show even got more successful. Right. Kirsty was a big breakout comedy star, and it sort of really launched my casting career right beyond just having that good job but that one piece of casting everybody took note of yeah i mean she became a huge 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 star and it's just so it's kind of unheard of because when you have a show that is based on a couple's you know hot and cold relationship sam and diane right and then she's leaving the show you think well that's it had a good run Absolutely. It would take a miracle for it to continue, let alone get even bigger. Right. And um, no one saw it coming. No. I mean, it was really amazing. Yeah. And it, it took a while for them to figure out what Kirstie did that was really funny. And right. And her to figure it out, too. It took about 10 episodes. Yeah. Because she was really, like, tightly wound and put together. And then she had, like, a breakdown in the office. That's what I Exactly. Remember. And what happened was there was a rehearsal where she was opening, she was, you know, the the description of the character was an ice queen. Uh, that was always what the part was. Right. The end. So she was going into the office at rehearsal, and she had trouble opening the door. And she got really flustered, and, and it was hilarious. Right. And they went, that's it. Underneath the ice queen, she's a mess. Right. She's not together. Yeah. And they started to write to that, which was exactly what she was able to do so brilliantly. Yeah. And... That's just smart writers and uh, a smart actress, too. They all somehow collaborated and just found it. Right. It's such a a fun process to see writers learn who an actor is and start to write around that, almost like they're tailoring a suit or a dress to an actor and actress and, you know, can really start having fun. Absolutely. But it takes a, a long run of something to really to really play with that. Yeah. You know, I had that experience a little bit with Book of Mormon because I worked on it for three years while the writers were creating it and, you know, every line, if it didn't work with me, then it didn't work. And if, you know, they started writing for uh for me. Um and I can't imagine how if you are involved in a TV show and you're doing twenty some episodes every every season how many how how closely the writers have to like get in tune with your abilities 
You know, That's it's true. really, you've got to get actually pretty personal, you know, like your other talents or things they can write for to write into the show. Right, right. So you went on to uh, cast Wings. I will not pass over Wings because that was a very, Loved very important show. Wings. Yeah, It was on for cast. eight years, the last four years of Cheers and the four years of Frasier. So it sort of bridged those two. I remember doing a Shakespeare competition in New York City when I was in high school. And I won't remember the actor's name, but Roy... David Schramm. David Schramm. Pardon me, David. Roy was in the audience and he was a judge. And I got like third place or something like that. And I was like, I can't believe Roy believes in me. I was so happy. Roy Biggins believes in Rory O'Malley. That's right. That's right. That's when I knew I had to keep going. Um, but that show was that show was great, and you were doing great. that while you were doing Cheers. Yes, yes, which and, is crazy to me. Well, I was doing other shows too. I was uh, because Cheers was so popular, and yeah. the multicams were so, so big those days. I got a lot of other ones. Most of them came and went quickly, but I was doing a lot of shows on the Paramount lot. Must see TV. Must see TV. Must see TV on Thursday NBC night. Thursday nights. I remember I started uh, going to a choir. Um, at seven o'clock uh, uh, on Thursday nights at seven o'clock, and she said, "Don't worry, you will be home in time for Must See TV." <laughs> That's how the director got the kids to come, because wow. you know, no DVR back in those days. So. That's right. But it was such an important um, moment, though, that those multicams for me, you know, and it's a very different thing now because multicams aren't aren't done as much as they used to be, and now you're on the biggest single cam. Uh, show Modern Family, which for anyone who's listening and doesn't know what that is, multi-cam is when you have multiple cameras in front of a live studio audience and single cam is shot with uh, a camera like a movie. Right. With no audience. That's right. That's the most simple explanation I can give. It's very good. Um, but what is the difference for you in, in, in casting those two kinds of things? Does it feel different? Not so much a difference. There's the, the multi-cam... Uh, dynamic used to be a little bigger than it is now. Yeah, I, I, I do the occasional multicam. I I recently cast a Netflix series starring Dennis Quaid called Mary Happy Whatever, oh, okay. which drops in November, and that's a multicam. Uh-huh. And I I did a series for a couple of years, Superior Donuts, based right. on Tracy Let's Play. Right, and and I hadn't done a multicam in quite a while, and it's it's way more subtle than it used to be when I was doing Cheers right. and Frasier, um, but. It's still the actor, you know, uh, making the words on the page their own and elevating those words and making them funnier than they think they're going to be. Right. So it's just it's still getting good actors. And the good actors are usually smart actors and they can figure out the dynamic. The note I give the most, whether it's single or multicam, is just do less. Because if the words are good, they just and you understand it. They do all the work. Right. It's hard when you're an actor, as being an actor who goes to many auditions, it's hard to trust, to trust yourself, to trust the material. Whether you have an opinion about whether it's good or not, it is written to be what it's what, what, it, what it is. Right. And you can just say it. And most of the work is done by your intuition. Right. And you don't have to push too hard. But quite right? often you audition for things where the words aren't great. That's they're very only true. Okay, they're only okay if that. <laughs> and you, That's very true. And you still have the same mm-hmm. job is to make those words funnier than they are. Yeah, and if make it not, work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you... 
<laughs> do you have actors that you've been in auditions with and they turn something in that you think is a turkey into something that's so funny and be like, this is a miracle? Is it sometimes shocking or yeah sometimes you just think uh, it's okay yeah and someone will come in and really just make it sing right and you don't you often don't know who that's going to be or how that's going to be done but that's the person they're looking to hire yeah to find that person that can make it work exactly i feel like that's what you know in, in every um art form or you know anything collaborative you're looking for a person to take you to the next level no matter where you are even if you are even That's if right. it is great who can yes. make it even better um i think that we talked about something uh before that i want to bring up you mentioned the difference between casting something for theater and casting something on tv and how many different cooks there are in the kitchen in the yeah, process so true so what what is what is the difference between the two well when i was working on key largo i was working with the director, the great Doug Hughes, which was such an honor for me. He won a Tony Award for Doubt. Uh, I was such a huge fan of his parents, Barnard mm-hmm. Hughes and Helen Stedenborg. And he, I just knew him from afar. I'd never met him. Right. And all of a sudden I'm working with him and he was the most gracious director. He was so smart. He really understood the actor and understood what the, the text needed in terms of the qualities of the actor. And I just collaborating with him was great. So we, I would bring in people for him to audition, or actually we we did a lot of it on tape because he was in New York and I was here yeah. for a lot of it. And uh, it was basically he would decide, and he would then who he liked the most. He would run it by the authors Andy Garcia and Jeffrey Hatcher, and they all talk about did this suit what the play needed, and then they would just run the name by. Matt Shackman and Gil Cates at the Geffen. Um, but they said yes to everybody. They, Doug Hughes was so respected that everybody really trusted him and right. his vision. And that's all it was. It was really Doug and a few other people had to sign off. When I do a TV pilot, the, the creators, usually one or two writer-producers, and the director are in the initial auditions. Then we decide our choice of who we're going to test for the role. We'll take them over to the studio and there will be multiple uh, casting executives, development executives, and whoever the head of the studio is. Right. And so there's maybe seven or eight people there. If that actor passes muster, then they have to go to the network where there are even a few more uh, casting and development executives right. and whoever the big cheese of the moment is. So there's, I don't know, 16, 17 people by the time you're done mm. who all sort of have to give their stamp of approval. Right. And it's just, it's it's serving many masters. It's really, it's exhausting because one person, one development executive can have a big concern and they are really listened to, they're valued and it can throw it off. It can right. sort of sour it for right. someone. So doing the play for me and other plays is like a palate cleanser yeah. for me because it's just a purer hiring experience, an audition experience, where you don't have to jump through so many hoops. Also, the, the, from the business aspect, the deals that you have to make with actors are way more difficult to do for television. Yeah. And uh, there's just so much more money at stake. The budgets are so much less for theater, which is a sad thing. Um, 
But it's it's not usually as big a negotiation or a commitment. You know, it's like it's so it's not you know like if you sign on the dotted line for TV, maybe a decade of your life. You know, if you're lucky, (laughs) and you and you make the big bucks because a lot of that money is really about holding the actor. Right. You know, the when this Netflix series I did, Mary Happy Whatever, we only did eight episodes, but those actors, if we do another season pretty much have to wait about another nine months before we even shoot it, nine, yeah. ten months. Yeah. And that money will – they can't do another series. They can right. do other jobs. So it's – you know, that's why the money is bigger than – it 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 includes sort of holding them. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. in theater, you don't have to do that. From the the show that I did this last year on, on Lifetime called American Princess, I was a series regular on that. We – I got cast in February of and. 18. We shot it that summer of 2018. It didn't premiere until the summer of 2019. And so we didn't find out that we weren't going to be coming back until just uh, like a month and a half ago. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, we're not going to be coming back, sadly. I'm sorry. Thank you very much. But to your point, you know, that whole period of time where I, you know, it's great to have this, this wonderful job, 10 episodes of television, but I'm not allowed to do other things. Yes. Other, other, other series, series regulars. Yes. Yes, exactly. You, you can guest on series. Right. And they let me do a pilot. They were very nice yeah. to like let me, you know, kind of – while they're figuring out what they were going to do. Um, but yeah, it's definitely – you're getting paid to be on hold, which sounds <laughs> which sounds really cool. And especially, you know, for someone like me who just had a baby this year, being home and being like, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be here and maybe I'll pick up jobs here and there. But you you feel like you got to get out there and you got to. Right. And if you're on hold and you end up coming back, it's worth it. But sometimes right. you're on hold for a long time yeah. because you yeah were, Yeah, for sure. And you don't get to come back. No. So it feels like time wasted that you mm-hmm. couldn't be auditioning for other things. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, I, I mean, that is kind of, you know, it's I don't want to say it's a gamble because – there's no gamble to me in taking a, a serious regular job. Of course. <laughs> to me, it's like, this is fantastic because when it was the best experience I had as an actor because it was the first time that I was seeing a character develop over 10 episodes and getting getting material in, in my email inbox and being like, what's going to happen next? Right. And like we were talking about before, they're writing around me. And it was, uh, it was just very unique because I'm used to – Getting that script perfect and then performing it 800 times on a stage, right. which is a different kind of challenge. <laughs> yeah. A great, great job, but very, very different. You know, it's not as uh, – there's not new challenges. It's the same challenge, and it's, it's hard to, it to hard. Pr- produce the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah, that's the craft of it is making it seem fresh for right. the audience and yourself, hopefully, yeah. every, each and every time. Oh, yeah. And that's one of the reasons I so often gravitate to theater actors for television because they have to do sometimes a lot of takes of things. Yeah. And they need to make it fresh every single time. I was, with, I was doing this panel um, with some different directors just talking about the business. And uh, someone asked if we like to rehearse before a take um, – in, in front of camera. And I was like, I like as much rehearsal as possible. I like to know, I understand. It's very rare that you get much rehearsal other than stand here and let's just do it. So anything you can get, I love, I love. And a director who was on the panel said that she doesn't like her actors to have any rehearsal. And I was like, oh, and she was like, I want to get all of it on camera. 
I want to see it so that I have all those options. And she's thinking as, you know, it, I think in directing a drama, especially, you know, uh, to get an emotional scene. But to, And I get that. Like, I understand that. That is definitely something that's the difference between a stage and uh, a, a, a film actor. I want to be able to know exactly what I'm doing. I want to be able to recreate it over and over and over again. Whereas when you're on film, you only need to get it right once. And uh, that's the trick is, is making sure that you get it that one time and then you save it. None of my performances from Book of Mormon are on, <laughs> on film. You know, They're often to the ether. Do they talk about doing a movie of Mormon? Yeah, they do. They do. But not um, seriously right now. They're just – you know, it's just like with Wicked or – any big hit show when they're still making so much money on stage, they don't want to take anything away from that because really they'll always make more money on a stage um, with those properties than they will in, in the movie theater. True. Which is so rare. You know, it's like once a theater, once a a musical hits a certain place, it just, it surpasses everything else. Um, That's right. So I want to make sure that we tell this one story because I love this story so much that you cast uh, Frasier and there was an actress you cast in Frasier by the name of Lisa Kudrow. That is right. <laughs> Can you tell us that story? Because I think it's an important one. Well, we put together the cast of Frasier and uh, for the role of Roz Doyle, um, I brought in you know a lot of actresses, every size, shape, color, age. And we uh, saw a lot of great ladies, and we narrowed it down to five that Kelsey came over and read with them all. And from there, we narrowed it down to our two top choices, Lisa Kudrow and Perry Gilpin. Mm-hmm. And we brought the two of them over to NBC for their uh, network test, and they both did great. And Lisa Kudrow got the part. So we started rehearsing, and... Uh, you know, when you're you're doing auditions, you're not doing the whole piece. You're right. doing bits and pieces. So we were, you know, we made offers to John Mahoney, David Hyde Pierce, and Jane Leave. So we didn't see those auditions. We didn't hear that material so much. Right. So the Roz, uh, so we started rehearsal, and we we rehearsed for eight days before we did it in front of the live studio audience. And about five days in, we had a uh, dress rehearsal with... Uh, all the actors in costume and all the cameras were there and a test audience so that the actors could hear and the writers where the laughs were. So Lisa did her thing. She was wonderful, did what we wanted to do. But in terms of seeing the whole piece and how the audience reacted, we realized, we sort of didn't till then, that Lisa's dynamic sort of bled into Jane Leaves' dynamic as Daphne. They were both a little daffy. Right. And so... Frazier was facing the same frustration with the same kind of person at the office as he was at home. And we just didn't see it until it was really all put together. So Jim Burroughs, who was directing it, and who was not a part of the casting process, he was not one of the creators of this, he was just director for hire, said, you know who you need in that part? Perry Gilpin. Not even knowing, he had worked with her before, that she was our other choice. Wow. So I had to make that call which was horrible we love lisa personally and professionally i made that call to her agent said we had to make a change and i said let me know when you've told her because i want to call her and i did right. and she was very much the class act that lisa is but i also got to 
call Perry's agent and say, is she still available? And she was, and I got to track her down at a restaurant or so when it used to be in L.A. Yeah. And they brought her to the phone. There were no cell phones then. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, what are you doing tomorrow? She said, nothing. I said, well, you better get over to Paramount Studios, stage 25, because you're our Roz. Wow. And she screamed and left the restaurant without paying the bill. But apparently they tracked <laughs> her down. Still, oh, they did. They, okay. Yeah. They, they went out of business <laughs> shortly after that. No, they it tracked her down. Bill. <laughs> and I went to the run through the next day and she was wearing Lisa's costume, which hadn't even been dry cleaned. Yeah. And there was Roz and it worked. Wow. And the next season, Lisa got friends. Right. So she got the better job for her. Yeah. No, I mean happy endings all around. Absolutely, but it's a cautionary tale. You mm-hmm. never know. You never know. You never know. No, and it's tough because, yeah, you know those stories, which are there's so many of those stories. You know, like I have hundreds of those yeah, stories. I yeah. really do. They're important, um, but it's hard because you know they're not. It's not always the next season or the next day. You know, something bad happens to you in this business. It can be five years later that you know something else happens, and you're like, oh, if if I hadn't, if I had gone down that path, I never would have been here. You That's know? right. So it's always about like finding the gratitude and <laughs> and every day, and you know how what what is this suggestion that you have for actors to let go of the disappointment because it's not always the Fraser job. Sometimes it's just. The callback, because you know, if you're in a position where you're getting pilots, if you you know, like I'm sure Lisa Kudrow made money that from that experience. If you are somebody who has to go back to your lunch shift, but they got a chance to be in front of you, and it doesn't go their way, which you know happens all the time, I'm sure. What is your advice to those actors, if anything? Oh man, I you know. Sometimes they go, you know, it's not personal. It is personal. Yeah. It's like you're being rejected yeah. for your work. Sure. And even though you may not be quite the right type, and all, it just feels personal. Having been an actor, I was, you know, it, was, it stung all the time. Yeah. And I just think, you know, Julie Bowen says she has this great gift. After she auditions, after she auditions, she can walk out of that casting session and 100% forget about it. Right. She says she just has always been able to do it. Wow. She just leaves it inside. And if you can figure out how to do that, yeah. great. But I guess to just keep yourself motivated and be willing to hang in for the long run, I think that's why it's good to you know take class and still feel like an actor. Right. But it's really frustrating. It doesn't get less. I do, think you, it, do you sometimes <clears throat> uh, feel like when an actor walks into the room and they really, really want it that you can – tell and it affects their performance you know how sometimes people are like you have to just not care about it and you walk in and i mean that's hard because there's I, that fine line of i think caring. everybody I, everyone I, wants it everyone wants it i don't i feel everyone wants it so much yeah or they wouldn't show or they sure just, or you know a lot of people pass on things yeah. not not because they're fussy but it's like not their part they're not going to make it be good right it might be too s- small for them or they just don't feel it's a good fit yeah and they don't put themselves through it. The people that come want the job very much for different reasons. Right. There's, I'm casting a part this for the next episode of Modern Family that has no lines. Yeah. It's a chef's role who has to sort of um, shake their head and roll their eyes when Phil does something. Right. And I'm bringing in, you know, I'm going, oh, I hope I can get actors who are willing to not have a line come right. in. The, I'm bringing in five or six people for that. 
my first choice, they're all coming in. Yeah. And they are all overqualified. Yeah. By far. Yeah. In fact, all there's a lot of one-line parts in this episode. There's waiters and bartenders and concierges and uh, a lot of hotel personnel. And they're tiny parts, and everyone is overqualified. Yeah. They just are. Well, I mean, it's really a testament to the love for the show and the love for your office and 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 for you because people know the kind of person that you are, the way that you treat actors. When you go into your office, there are just plastered headshots all over the place of we, the actors who you've had on the show. And you're on the wall of I'm fame I'm on the now. wall, you yes. You are. You're the most recent made addition. It, made it. Oh, good, good, good. It's over by the men's room. Oh, of course. <laughs> That's where you'll find me. Um, so that that is really why people will show up you know regardless of of lines they know they can trust the writing <laughs> and they know they can trust you and you know i know for me it was just it was just it's special to me that i get to say that i was a part of an episode of modern family so i'm very happy about that i'm so grateful that you're a part of the geffen family and that you've cast the show i can't wait to see it it's november 6th uh is when it starts I will double check that, Jeff. <laughs> My phone locked up here. Yes, it is November 6th through December 10th at the Geffen Playhouse with Andy Garcia. Um, I can't wait to see it. Thank you so much for talking with me. Rory, it's an honor. It's a pleasure. It's, it's really fun. Too. We met after um, I was in the Book of Mormon and uh, on Broadway, and you were like, you did such a great job. And um, I, if you need any help, let me know. You're such a funny actor. And you always have been there for me. When I've had questions about the TV and film world and I've moved out to L.A., you've always been such a great friend oh. to me. And, and it's it's not, I don't want to say it's rare in this business, but it's rare for people to offer something like that and actually follow <laughs> through. So I really appreciate you. And uh, I, I cherish your friendship. And I'm glad we get to sit down again and have this conversation. Thank you, Rory. Thanks, bud. That was Jeff Greenberg. Thank you so much for listening to the Gavin Playhouse Unscripted. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, tell all your friends about the conversations we're having here at the Gavin Playhouse on the Geffen Playhouse Unscripted, brought to you by Podcast One. Thanks for listening to Geffen Playhouse Unscripted. Be sure to download new episodes every month right here on Podcast One, on the Podcast One app, or on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to rate, review, and share. Podcast One.